Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to episode 39 of the Scaling Your Business podcast. And for this episode, we're going right back to Dublin. We've got Joseph Cosgrave joining us, the founder of Smarketing Cloud. Joseph, you're very welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. Great to Love see to you. Have you. Yeah. You mentioned to me before the podcast, you grew up in Wexford. You're now living in Dublin. I don't know how long you grew up in Wexford for, so you can answer this question either Dublin or Wexford, but have you got any favorite memories of growing up in either Wexford favorite, or Dublin? Favorite memories? God, that's a good question. Do we have a lot of memories of people coming down to Wexford from Dublin? Spent a lot of summers in Rosslair, panning around with a lot of dubs, so always like Dublin people. In terms of good memories, God, there's a lot of them. I'd have to say probably traveling. It's, it's, it's probably when I was like 18, went traveling a lot and didn't really appreciate Wexford until I left Wexford. It's probably the case for most people. Went on a trip around Europe, did a lot of, did a lot of Spain, France, like that. I remember coming home to Wexford and um, just looking at the, the whole lush greenery and the beaches and everything and thought, yeah, God, this place is actually lovely. And um Went out that night and met all my friends and had a new admiration for Wexford people. So that's probably one of the memories that stand out anyway. Nice. You're now in Dublin. If anyone who's on this podcast has never been to Dublin because we've got an international audience and they were to spend one day in Dublin, what one thing would you say they've got to see? What one thing? Great question. One thing. The things that come to mind is the Guinness Storehouse and um, the zoo, but there's no real dieter secrets being given away there. Maybe Glendalough is pretty, pretty beautiful. What one place. I think maybe just walking around Dublin in general is quite interesting, isn't it? Just, it is. You know, it's, it's get a, a nice bus place. into town and just walk it's around. Easy to walk. Yeah, it's easy to walk take around. It all yeah. That's it. Before we move That's on it. from your kind of upbringing, childhood, I'm curious to know, because it's a question I ask every guest, who do you think, and you can answer this with multiple people, had the biggest impact on you growing up? That's probably an easier question. So there's probably two people that uh, I never had a dad growing up. So I, um, I looked to other men to, to model off a, a blank slate. So one person I looked up to almost immediately was Steve Jobs. Just everything he's done has really inspired me. Just love his ability to to market and sell and also his obsession with product and creating like amazing products. I think for businesses, especially businesses that produce products, whether SaaS or or otherwise, the the common view is to create something that's a little bit better than the competition. And I think unless you've got like massive money to compete with the, the big guys, you're going to fail unless you've got a product that's 10x better. Not yeah. incrementally better, but 10x better. And I think two people have done that extremely well. That's Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. So got to say those two guys are, um, yeah, they're the two was guys. That, was that, that the second name, was it? Elon Musk was yeah. the second name. Elon Musk, yeah. So just the products that they've brought to, to, to market have changed the world. Elon's stuff is on the path to changing the world, but certainly Steve Jobs has changed the, the world in, in more than one ways. And I think his ability to sell and market is unbelievable. 
I think he's just very creative and just really everything about him. Apparently not a yeah. very good guy to work for. Some of the great ones never are, are they? So yeah, yeah, it's, it seems to be a common trait. But the question that was lost, oh, it was, I was always a fan of his presentations because uh, he ended them with just one more thing. Wasn't it? One more thing. And then it was like the biggest thing of the whole presentation. It's it's everyone's jaw is like on the floor already. And then he's, and by the way, there's this other thing. And you're like, Joe, where do you go from there? (laughs) You need the product. You need the innovation to to get that excitement there. I, I think probably one of the things with him is that he was very good at looking at where the market's going, where technology is going, and basically pulling it all together and productizing it and bringing that to consumers, making it really simple and putting the power in people's hands. I think that's probably what he was particularly good at. Didn't necessarily create any of the things he brought to market. It was how he packaged the whole thing. And again, it's fundamental sales and marketing. I have a colleague in the business I'm in that uh, coaches, he's in the States, he coaches a lot of elite professional athletes and executives. And some of his clients are Mick Jagger, Tiger Woods, but one of his clients that he coached for years was Steve Jobs. And I've always been jealous that he got to spend a lot of time with Steve Jobs. Uh, You spent five years? Yeah, for sure. He's wrote a book, but he didn't mention Steve Jobs in the book. It's around coaching, so it's nothing to do with Steve Jobs. Maybe he had a sign of disclosure, I'm assuming. Um, You spent five years uh, working in the events industry. Uh, We spoke about it before we joined. I think we've got 16 mutual friends on Facebook. Any favorite standout memories from your time in the events industry? Uh, The whole thing was a hell of a lot of fun. I I, I actually got started doing events in Wexford. I was about 16 and me and a a friend of mine, Dominic Robinson, started throwing teenage discos. We were just bored and nobody was doing anything like that. So we said, hey, why don't we throw some of our own parties? And we threw our first one. I think it was, I think it was for Valentine's. And we did a whole like lock and key kind of theme. And um, I remember like, doing the whole operations and I had my mom on the box office there was just loads of people coming in and we weren't even doing it to make money or anything at the time we were just doing it like to be cool to have a lot of fun and I went down to check my mom at one stage and the the whole box office was just full of cash she didn't know what to we like we just didn't plan for that and I was like shit you know this is this is like insane I think it was something like 12 grand we brought in one night or something so I was like okay there's something in this and it kind of went from there. We just started doing more of them. Then I started working for an events company called The Grooveyard. Uh, they're crowd-based in Galway and Dublin office as well. And I did um, a couple of club tours for them. So I went and raised, I did a proposal for a sponsorship and we took it to some big brands and we got Tiger Beer to sponsor a full moon club tour. And and that was just unbelievable fun. We, I, I think I probably have been in every single club in the country at, at one point like I would have been in every club in the country and then even in Dublin I would have been quite well known when you're 18 to 22 it's it's cool to rock up to a to a club and to be on the guest list and not have the queue and everything so a lot of fun times brought over like a lot of celebrities and everything gotta say definitely squeezed a lot of juice out of the 20s <laughs> and I found it then I went and worked in the right venue when it first opened and I was getting a bit older at that time and the whole late nights and everything, I just I just kind of thought to myself, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? And I was like, the answer was no. So decided to move out of the industry then. But uh, yeah, I guess all of it was pretty, pretty insane for yourself from being in it. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly lots of late nights. And I've been in many nightclubs myself as well. Funnily enough, actually, you're not the first guest I've had on that has had a lot of involvement in the Irish or Dublin nightclub scene. I had a guy called Dave Sherry from the Signature Group on three, four weeks ago. Nice guy. You spent five years in the events industry. I'm counting the right venue as like two of those five years. You did a 180 degree kind of switch and started your own business after some time in CPL and other places. Why did you decide to start your own business? I guess I've always been quite entrepreneurial, I would say, and I wasn't really that good at being an employee. Me too. <laughs> and I guess it was probably a bit of, it was either like shut up and put up with the whole corporate world and climb, restrict my ambition and work within the system or go and and do what I felt needed to be done and marketing cloud as a side gig I was working in CPL at the time actually I started before working in CPL but I really started having a use case for it while in CPL I was working in marketing and I was using a bunch of tools I was using like Google Analytics I was using Facebook LinkedIn using MailChimp we had some CRM and I was just using all these different tools just to do my job and it was like I was trying to do more advanced I was trying to use more advanced strategies and what I realized is that it's really all centered around data particularly digital marketing and I was looking at like Google Analytics and getting insights from that and then going "Ah, I wish I could use those insights in my email campaigns and everything was just really disconnected So I was like, what? There's a big gap here in the market for a tool that allows you to bring all your data together, extract insights, organize that data, and then being able to activate that data. And the other kind of trend that I noticed is that like the whole the whole toolkit is just getting bigger as a marketer. You've now got TikTok as well. You've now got like YouTube has been around for a long time, but the power of it, marketers are only starting to see like, like you doing this video right now. It used to be like content is keen and that was really eBooks, blog posts, things like that. But now the whole content is keen is like it's video content and there's now even more tools. And so as a marketer, you need to be able to do all of this in a cohesive way and also being able to, do from one place i think being able to say okay if you look at the tool sets that are out there like google analytics can't really give you insights from tiktok and there's no way google and tiktok are ever going to become best buddies and sync up same with facebook and so for us in fact the more tools and platforms there is the better it is because it creates a bigger problem for a marketer which is that there's all these different tools that they need to use so for us the more that happens the better it gets because because we just simplify it. We just bring it all, to, yeah. all in one place. And so I, was, I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start building this tool. And in, in, in fairness, had I, had I known then what I know now, I probably would have never started because it's been, um, it's been one hell of a rocky road. It's, it's really tough, but no, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's, I've now got this really powerful platform that I'm very proud of in, in terms of the capabilities. We work with clients. We, we provide two core services we, we have the actual services piece but we have the software piece too and we it was a strategic decision to do software and services because looking at other competitors like hubspot or salesforce marketing cloud or adobe marketing cloud they're beasts in terms of their capabilities and you almost need a, you know a team just to execute on them effectively yeah. and if you don't have that, that team and you're paying like in 
I think like in Marketo and, and Adobe Marketing Cloud, like it could be 20 grand a month just for the software. And in many cases, in some of the companies that we've migrated them from those Over systems, to your platform, systems, yeah. Yeah, they were just sitting there, not really being utilized. They had this really powerful tool, but didn't really have the in-house team to do it. And so we would come in and provide the services part. So complement their existing team. So their existing team could be a, a traditional marketer that does a bit of content, maybe some PR, things like that. Maybe even they have some SEO or social media person, but they def- definitely don't have marketing operations or, or like data analysts or anything like that. So we bring in software and services. And then, um, yeah, I, I just felt that it's it was a strategic decision to do that. But again, that's why I set up my own company was just really to, to express the entrepreneur inside me and also create the tool that I needed. It was almost necessity is the mother of all invention. Yeah, no, I like it. It's you, you said something that caught my attention. It was where there's clients for Adobe or Marketo or any of those, and they're just sitting there and money's coming out of their account because they're not taking full advantage of what they have. And you're kind of saying, hey, we'll help you get more bang for your buck, essentially. There's another Irish company, uh, Original. I was trying to think of the name. Original. they basically go to people who use IBM and say, hey, we can help save you X percent of money annually and do the exact same job. And in the last four years, they've grown from 3 million annually to 33 million, which is impressive. Purely just from finding people who... Take note of that company. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good case study. If that's what you're aiming to achieve... They're a, they're a great Irish company. The, the founder is a great guy, Tomás O'Leary, and his aim is to be at 250 million five years from now or something. But uh, yeah, ferocious team, and it's it's great to and, see. And, that's, and they're predominantly services? Yeah, yeah, no, they, they wear also. both. They wear software and services. They sold off the software side of their business and two, three years ago, and then just fully went services, and they've scaled and grown from that. For us looking at the whole like software and services thing, I have I have a feeling that I I can't remember I can't remember who the author of the book was. I think the book's name was called Free. And in it it was like everything trends towards zero. Like everything is trending towards zero cost. And I think it's very evident as consumers, you can see like that we have so much abundance at such little like cost like we're richer now than we ever have and and that's only going to accelerate and i think if you look at i don't know how familiar with SaaS and SaaS sales but there's a freemium model where you give away your tool for free and then there's also like a, a usage based pricing model so you're like free and then as you use it more then it's almost like your electricity bill right like you pay per usage so if you send yeah. x amount of emails whatever it may be for me, I think that the marginal cost of software is zero. Right? If I sign up 10 more clients today and they're just, just purely software clients, there's very little overhead to that. And so I think probably what companies are going to start doing is using software as a, essentially a lead generation tool, right? Like here's yeah. our software, try it out. And so for me, I'm adopting that philosophy very early on because I think it's going to trend towards that way. So we're almost using our software as an ebook, right? Like instead of downloading our ebook, Here's our software. And when people come in to use it, we then come in and we have, in about two months, we're introducing a services marketplace. And in the services marketplace, you'll essentially have access to SDR, like remote talent, right? Like SDRs, graphic designers, um, web designers, SEO, 
pay-per-click, whatever it may be. And, and that's going to be a monetization model for us. So it's the services, we see the software as almost like a lead gen, but the services is where we plan to make money. But we can also then build in kind of usage-based pricing. If you're sending X amount of emails or if you have X amount of visitors, that's where it's going. So for us, it's useful to have the software. That's at least how I say it could be completely wrong, but who knows? No, you're smart. SaaS businesses is where I spend predominantly probably 90% of my time. And what I've seen some of them do, you reference the HubSpots is, and this is just an idea that's hit me as you're talking, HubSpot do HubSpot certification in insert anything. And I don't know if you guys do marketing certified in something so that people can come to your platform and get certified by you guys. And then they'll share about it and talk about it. And that's feeding that, as you say, lead gentle. Absolutely. For us, if you think about, like you just mentioned HubSpot there. So if you think about HubSpot, like they own, they didn't invent, but they certainly own in in people's minds inbound. When you think inbound, you instinctively think HubSpot, right? It's synonymous with their brand and they put a lot of hard work into that. And so when we were thinking about the name for Smarketing Cloud, I was really, I was really trying to as far ahead as possible because the way I was looking at it, it's like, oh, if we're moving, like the industry is moving at a certain velocity. And I was thinking, if I now, by the time I get to it, I'm going to miss it. And so I was okay, I, I like build something for something that's going to be ready in now, to be ready to capitalize from it. And one, one of the trends I said earlier on was that there's going to be more dispersion of technology and tools. And so having a tool that brings them all together is definitely going to be needed. And I think attribution, um, the way Mark is attributed. So a real simple example would be you run a Google search ad, someone clicks on it, they convert, and that's attributed to that. But it's very hard to attribute for brand awareness, for demand generation. So for example, doing cat now, people are going to see that. You're going to build your personal brand. You're going to build the brand of your company. And they might engage with your content through social. And later then they might go into Google and fill out a form and become a lead now the way that get that gets attributed right now is that organic search gets credit for that so seo or whatever would be for that and but in reality it was the whole brand building was the whole podcast or video and it's very hard to measure that and the reason why companies do that is because marketers can't measure it the, the key question is how many leads did we get from that and so they're under this short-term KPI that doesn't allow them to do more long-term strategic marketing or sales. And I think the other thing that's happening is that sales and marketing are becoming more blurred. It's one and the same thing, really. And you're getting people like yourself, who's a sales consultant doing marketing to generate leads or build your personal brand. And so for me, I think marketing if when you look at the word for what it is, it's really the alignment of sales and marketing. It's bringing sales and marketing together for a single strategy, right? It, it, it's revenue generating. And similar to just come back to your original question is, do we see ourselves doing a certificate like that? We actually hope to get to a point where we have enough capital to do brand awareness stuff where we, we bring marketing to the market as an idea, right? Marketing is now like almost a profession where you're a sales and marketer. And like inbound is all about creating content. Marketing will be about sales and marketing alignment. Yeah. And really what we're trying to do is build the tools around that. When we have that ready, then we'll come out with the whole 
the whole kind of content piece and maybe the whole training, maybe certificate piece as well. But we're really looking at marketing as the, we want to own that, I guess. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. That's, what we want to, that's what we want to be known for. You mentioned demand generation. It's a term I'm seeing popping up more and more. Shout out Chris Walker. He has a podcast called Demand Gen. For those who don't know the difference, could you tell the people the difference between lead generation and demand generation? Oh, yeah. The age old question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So lead generation is a subset of demand generation, right? Like demand generation is everything. All encompassing. It's everything you do to your business. Lead generation is a tactic as part of the demand generation strategy. That's the best way to look at it. Demand generation probably sits more top of funnel. It's more about building brand awareness. And I I would say it's probably information and education, right? It's probably, you're you're not trying to make a sale. You're trying to inform and educate your prospects. And you're hoping that content that you're putting out pre-qualifies them. You're saying, here's what we are. Who, here's who we are here's what we do and here's how we do it and here's who we do it for and if people are consuming that content they're pre-qualifying themselves yeah i'm i'm that i'm i fit in that box and this sounds like it could be a good solution for me and then they go and they fill out a form in their site and become a lead that's lead generation so um, that's how i would on. differentiate the two Focusing on demand gen then for a moment, if you were to share any tips on how someone could build trust, trust, awareness, would you have any tips for them? So if a lot of your listeners obviously are are entrepreneurs, have a field or a background in sales, as a caveat to that, the, the old adage, people buy from who they know trust and it's still more true than ever that's always going to be true if you look at those three things and if you remove them from a sales sense and apply them to a more broad marketing sense where it's sales and marketing if you look at what you're doing is it sales or is it marketing what you're doing is you're producing valuable content you're getting your kind of face out there so you're building trust you're talking about solutions and you're becoming likable right? So you're ticking those boxes. So in terms of what people can actually do, I would say is it, it, it's content. The content creation, and what I mean by content, podcast, a webinar, a YouTube video, TikTok video, anything, any piece of content that you can think of, blog posts, whatever, that content is one part of the puzzle, but the distribution is the second piece. And with the tools that we have now, like it LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok, like it's RTE, TV3, their channels, right? Like yeah. your audiences are on these different channels and it's the new TV, even though your podcast isn't TV, but it's the new radio, it's 2FM, right? It's creating that, but it's also distributing it in a way um, or to, to a target audience. Now with demand generation in particular, you're generally going quite broad, if you look at LinkedIn, LinkedIn allows you to be really targeted. As a strategy, you can create some videos. If I want to, if I want to attract salespeople and marketers in my industry, create some videos. Go onto LinkedIn, get that content in front of those people. Like a really simple strategy. Everyone can do it. Really powerful. It's it's not going to cost you a whole lot because it's so targeted, and that's borderline lead generation. But that's something simple that every business can be doing today, and should nice. really be doing today. Through my research, I don't know if it's still an ongoing project, 
but it will touch on it, and you can tell me if it's ongoing or not, is shopsocial.ie. Talk to me about it. What is it? Because I, mm. I was on the website, and I saw so much that I was like, I'll just ask Joseph what this is. <laughs> so with Smarking Cloud, we have a couple of widgets, I like to call them. They're actually fully-fledged websites or platforms, but they're complementary to our core offering. And an example of that would be, we want to specialize in three core industries, and that's e-commerce, talent acquisition or recruitment, and B2B, right? Like they're the kind of, they're the three pieces that we want to be extremely good at. And also we want to just have the best tool for. And so Shop Social was created just around the start of the pandemic. Um, so we just thought e-commerce is really going to take off here. But we also needed a way for, we we were testing our, our e-commerce capabilities. And a couple of friends of mine, were, like some friends were bee makers, or sorry, honey makers. Others were, they drew pictures of dogs and they were, they were producing stuff, some that could be seen on Etsy or whatever it may be. But I was saying, hey, look, I can get you customers with these. So we created a marketplace and that's what Shop Social is. It's an e-commerce marketplace where you could go in, create an e-commerce profile and you post that product on Shop Social and Shop Social then will distribute that product to all the other marketplaces. So essentially it gives you reach, right? Wow. So it will send it to Etsy. It will send it to Facebook Marketplace. It'll send it to Amazon, eBay, and Pinterest. So it pushes out to all of those places for you. And it does that for free organically. But then it also allows you to, because once you've got the product there, it's now essentially available for inbound um, traffic. And that'll get you some sales. But then where our product kicks in is that Smarting Cloud, obviously there's a direct connection to it. So we can now do some of the kind of cool advanced marketing techniques. So for example, if you have customers coming in, It'll go into like your kind of customer segmentation and you can do that based on average order value or whatever it may be. It'll create a segment and then it can push that segment to Facebook or Google or Pinterest and do lookalike audiences automatically. And so you can run um, lookalike audience, lookalike ads or remarketing ads just really easily. Um, a lot of, I, I spoke to a lot of people about advertising on Facebook and it's, it's astonishing because it's super powerful and it works. But then you have so many people saying, yeah, I tried it. It didn't work. It's not that it doesn't work. It's just you didn't do it. And the reason they didn't do it right is because they're probably not a digital marketer. Like they, they mm-hmm. didn't know all the, the small intricacies of what makes a campaign work. And so one of the things that we want to do is just make that really simple. Like I want my mom to be able to go into Smarking Cloud and be able to create a campaign with ease and, and be a, a successful marketer um, without having to learn a bunch about digital marketing. And so we also have another platform called InstaHire, which is akin to uh, Shop Social, but it's for the recruitment game. And then we have a product called Firmer Graphic, which is for B2B. And that's essentially like a B2B database. So if you're looking at account-based marketing, for example, you can go in, identify your key accounts, and then we'll basically build tiered accounts or tier one, tier two accounts and allow you to orchestrate your sales and marketing towards those accounts. So Smarting Care is our core product, but then we have sub-products off it that enable, they essentially reduce friction. Yeah. Look at it. That's phenomenal. The shopsocial.ie side of things, um, the reason why I didn't dwell too much into it was because the conversation here was around Smarting Cloud and getting to know you. I just took a brief look at it. But that's phenomenal that you can take a product and then enable it to go out to all the different 
platforms, Facebook, eBay. That's can you see which platform is getting more hits on so you know where to yeah. spend more ad revenue? Exactly. So that's exactly and if, and if like I said at the beginning, all of these platforms are going to get into e-commerce, right? Why wouldn't they? It's a big huge market. And a problem, an unintended consequence of that is that you're just going to have so much confusion. And so what uh, we're doing is we're meeting that problem early on and, and, and trying to solve it as quickly as possible and really making it simple. So you just want to be able to to one place and let the kind of a distribution algorithm do that for you. And we've done the same thing then with Instahire with jobs. So if you think about jobs, you've got jobs that you've got LinkedIn jobs, Facebook jobs, Indeed, you've got so many job boards and we do the same thing for companies with jobs. So you can post a job on Instahire and it'll also distribute it to all of these different places. And you've got, got the organic distribution and then you've got the pay distribution. So sounds like you're living at the end of 2021, not at the beginning of 2021. Yeah, I, I try to say as, 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 as I'm, I'm actually dyslexic. And apparently one of the advantages of being dyslexic is that you have a, a, a thing called interconnected reasoning where you're able to connect the dots, like you're able to think big picture. So it's definitely a, a trait um, true with me, but don't ask me to spell interconnected reasoning. <laughs> I, I notice a lot of books behind you there, Joseph. Is there any books or podcasts you read or listen to to seek advice from or even mentors? I, I love books. I love, I love books on behavioral economics. I think behavioral economics ties really well with marketing because you're essentially trying to influence people to take action. And that's what behavioral economics is all about. Hooked us up there, nudge. They're very much around people and how they make decisions and like cognitive biases very into that and then also just love books on science and biology and and, and things like that business books in general I haven't I have two kids now so I don't get as much time to read books anymore but audible is is my go-to app my wife is always giving out to me at night because she wakes up in the middle light with some guy talking in her ear about (laughs) some existential crisis or whatever maybe I just I, I put it on going to sleep and um you know, I'm convinced it sinks into your subconscious, but my wife likes to debate me on that one. There's this app, actually, that I came across, and I've mentioned it now in the last two podcasts. Uh, um, it's called Blinkist, which essentially condenses a book into 15, 20-minute snippets. Yeah. Um, so it saves you having to read the entire thing, but you still get the core value lessons from the book. The kind of juicy bits. I haven't tried it. I have seen it a few times. It's a, it's an interesting idea, like, I could I could I could see how that's useful and I think as well like a lot of the times when I'm listening or reading to a book I'm like you read the first two or three chapters and you get a, the gist of the book and then the rest of the book is really explaining the same thing just in different ways and you, some people um, have a talent for taking something like that and really extending it I'm more just straight to the point yeah i'm with you on that you've you've mentioned hubspot this is more just a statement and then i'll ask the question but you've said hubspot a couple times in this thing and they're somewhat of a competitor to marketing cloud but i don't know if anyone's ever said it to you but the first vp of sales for hubspot now the founder of md capital mark robridge wrote the book acceleration says you look identical to him that's just a side comment i don't know if anyone's ever said that to you I've got Channing Tatum a few times, but never that one, no. Oh, there you go. Mark my, Roberts, a new one. <laughs> my, nep- my nephew likes to say that I'm a fat Channing Tatum. 
<laughs> I don't I don't know whether that's a compliment or an insult, but uh, anyway. So we've talked about the side project or the other things, shop social, the second thing to marketing cloud, uh, and books. What continues to drive you? I have to say I'm very lucky. Like I I, I jump I get up like about half five or six every morning and I can't wait to start today. And I think it's because I, I just love what I do. Like I'm definitely doing what I should be doing. I love it. I, it doesn't feel like working. And, you know, obviously outside of that, my family and stuff, but I guess because we're having a business, we'll keep it there. I just think, yeah, like I found my thing and I'm lucky enough to be doing it. I've, my why is very strong, right? The, the why of everything. I want, I love, I've always loved business. I've always loved sales. I've always loved marketing. I love psychology. I love product. And I've really found a way to, to bring all those together. And in addition to that, creating a business is really challenging and it really forces you to be creative and solve problems daily. If you don't have the right mindset, you're ruined because it's hard. And if you don't enjoy the process, then it has to be 10 times harder. So I would say just, I said it earlier on, I've never been a good employee. I I get bored like in, in jobs, like you get to a point where you're optimal, you're performing at the most optimal, whether it's like being an SDR or a recruiter or whatever it is and there's nowhere to go from there you hit a ceiling like you can just bill more or have more output but in terms of your growth in terms of being challenged you've hit a ceiling you're just doing the same thing but more efficiently and yeah I just think I'm doing what I need to do in order to to have this fire in my belly and um, it helps to have the right mindset I think I've got that mindset that I like I like I'm not going to use the word stress because it has a negative connotation, but, but challenges. Like I like the problem solve. I like the fact that if you're going to run out of money in two months, like you're done. So it's what the hell do you do? That's a fun well, at your ass, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's a hundred different things you can do. But the other thing is you're limited in resources. So you have to pick the right ones and you have to get very methodical about what's going to deliver the, the best return. And it's, I suppose it forces you to be creative and strategic and their left, right brain things at play. And it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's, it's exciting. For the final two questions, let's move from business to personal. Second last question is, I know that you spent five years in the event industry. You've mentioned that you're a dad and a husband. You also own a dog for my research. <laughs> What's one thing that you're into or curious about that not a lot of people know about you? Yeah, so I produce music. I used to DJ a lot, like house music, and then I got into producing music, and I love it because, like, my, I'm always switched on, and it's hard to switch off. And I produce electronic music, although it, like, well, it's still electronic, but it's it's not house anymore. It's, I don't even know what genre it is. It's chilled. I don't know. I don't know. I don't release it. I don't think anyone would even care if I did release it. <laughs> but I just love sitting down and having something in my head and. I guess when you look at business and you want to create something, it takes time. Shop social, smart and cloud, any of those things has taken a long time to manifest. When you sit down to create music, it's almost like instant manif- manifestation of an idea. Like it's there's something really there's something really cool about that. And being able to like dial in, like being able to manipulate manipulate frequency in real time and have a direct output. There's just something to it. And I, I guess that's something that a lot of people wouldn't know. But I, I find 
the, the process of producing music just it really helps me with escapism and it helps me to be creative in a new way because being an entrepreneur you're always working right there's you're never really it's one of the it's one of the downfalls is that you're always having to be on and be thinking about it and it's hard to switch off but, but when you're making music like you really get drawn into it and like you look up and a, a half a day is gone but you've got something to show for it. you've got this but there's something and it's also then the emotion of it it's something that's deep within you that you've somehow allowed to come out it's yeah i, I can't really articulate the the feeling but it's something yeah that, something that's special final question all your loved ones are safe but your house is burning down and you can only save one item what one item are you saving My laptop. Fair. Most people do choose a laptop laptop. or their phone. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My laptop. Yeah. I guess if you were to really, if you had time to really be, to actually think about it and not have an eject reaction, most of the stuff is backed up to the cloud. But yeah, I I think it's probably something that it would be most devastating if I lost. You could go and recover and back up everything and it would just be an awful, an awful pain to do that. But uh, yeah, I guess my laptop. Nice. My mom is listening, a picture of my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed the last 45 minutes I wish you every success in the future with all your endeavors uh, shop social.ease marketing cloud you're certainly a forward thinker living in early 2022 probably at some stage but uh, yeah thank you for being my guest today and I wish you nothing but the best thank you for having me and all the best for you too beautiful morning Get a song of my morning, babe Nothing in the world